This is Burn the Ship Podcast, where we inspire entrepreneurs to go all in and connect them with professionals to help them do it. Today, um, Patrick, thank you for being here. I really do appreciate you. We're going to learn a little bit about your story and what it learns to kind of grow an effective leader within an organization. Um, you've been doing that for a while, so why don't you go ahead and, and introduce yourself, give us a little bit of your background, tell us how you're doing. Sure. Well, thank you for having me. I, I appreciate the opportunity, uh, and it's great to be here. A little bit about my background. Well, I will try to keep this to the 30-second <laughs> version. Uh, there, there's one thing about fighter pilots. Um, they, they are very impressed with themselves, so I won't spend a lot of time on that. Uh, but Patrick Houlihan, so I was in the Marine Corps for 27 years, both active duty and in the reserves, and a majority of that, almost all of that, I was an F-18 fighter pilot. Uh, so I had the uh, unique uh, and, and blessed opportunity experience to be able to go to Top Gun, to be an instructor pilot, um, and really to work with a lot of fabulous people, not just other pilots, but, but the Marines and the sailors that kept the airplanes in the air, uh, and kept us going. So, um, that's a, probably the, the gist of my professional background on that side. When I left active duty in 2004, uh, I joined a consulting group, speaking group. So uh, from then, uh, I did public speaking, consulting work with Fortune 100, 500 organizations. Uh, I've been in sales um, as a security integrator and as a counter drone uh, director of business development. And then I did some organizational development work uh, as an executive consultant. And then I decided to start my own, my own uh, company. Back in 2019, about five months before COVID hit. So my timing was impeccable. Sure. sure. But I didn't and have a ship to get back on because I burned it on the way. So. Right. So it was a little bit of both. It was a little bit of speaking, a little bit of consultation and coaching still. And, yes. And COVID hit. There goes speaking for the most part. For the most part. Definitely face-to-face. Yeah. Mo- mostly gone. And so you have to really you know, kind of choose your direction, which is this, you know, creating relationships with businesses and really finding a way to build value. What is the value that you bring to those businesses that decide to be a client of yours? A great question. What I saw when I got out of the military and into the civilian world is that there's really either a company focused on their process. This is how we're going to plan. Um, or let's get Salesforce. And they just kind of dump it on their employees, never really explaining the why. Um, or a company would go in a direction and they would just bring in leadership. We're going to teach you how to be better leaders, but they would never tie a process to it. And to have a, a really effective, high-performing team and organization, you need to marry both process and leadership together. Um, I think leadership is one of the linchpins of any organization. And it doesn't matter how much money you spend on technology uh, or whether you have the greatest product in the world. If you don't have inspired, compassionate, mission-driven leaders um, and the p- positions that they need to be in, you're never going to get the performance that you're looking for. Sure. So you have this skill um, really that you've developed is, like you said, marrying that process to that leader, you know, is, is creating a leader, defining what a leader is and defining what that responsibility is, and then marrying a process to those skills that you're creating in that individual. What is the leave off there? Are you kind of just hand, you know, putting the pieces in place, teaching and, and kind of putting in this culture? And then, you know, you are free to go do, you know, take on more clients, create more responsibility, create more relationships, or are you kind of staying hand in hand with those people over a period of time? Uh, it really depends on, on what they look for and what they're asking for. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will, I've often said I want to work myself out of a job. Sure. Which seems 
completely counterintuitive. I mean, why would any business person want to work themselves out? Well, you know what? Frankly, there are plenty of places for me to go work and plenty of organizations to help and guide and teach. So I want to get to a point where I have created leaders within an organization that they can take the ball and run with it. Um, one of the things about being a Marine and a Marine fighter pilot and being a Marine officer is that you know that or you always have to set someone else up to take your place. I mean, that's just the trial. That's just the result of combat. And so you can't be the center of everything. You have to delegate authority. You have to delegate responsibility. You have to teach those uh, around you and below you to be able to stand up and take the lead should something happen. And it's the same thing in a business. I mean, if, if a business... Most leaders are in a position because they were good at what they do. Imagine if everybody in your organization was as good as you and and thought like leaders and didn't wait to ask for permission or guidance. They just knew intuitively what needed to be done because that's how you train them. And so that's what I do with organizations. Take their leaders uh, or even people who aren't in a leadership role yet and go, this is how you need to think. This is how you need to act. Um, this is what a leader is. And here are some processes to help you out. Go. Sure. And go get it done. Sure. Now, got to be inspired as an individual and you have to inspire your team. You have to show compassion, but you got to get the job done. And so that's what the process, that's what I'm teaching. This is how you get the job done without stepping on other people's shoulders along the way. And wh- why businesses? As opposed to? A good question. That, that would be the second half of my question is, you know, you're, as you're in the military, you're creating, you know, kind of your own process. You're really vetting out a little bit of your own process and how, and taking some mm-hmm. of those skills that you developed there and bringing them into the entrepreneurial world. Why, what, what was the motivation for that? You know, was it monetary? Is it value based? What, what, what was the reason that you wanted to go do that? Okay. Good question. Um, what I figured out uh, the, the greatest thing about being in the Marine Corps and being a pilot was being a leader and being a teacher. Essentially, the leader and teacher should be synonymous. Uh, that was the thing that I enjoyed the most, was teaching others. Uh, whether it was a junior Marine, whether it was a junior pilot, and, and trying to make them as good or better than I was in that moment, um, even if they had 10 years less of experience. If I could, if I could give them those lessons and skills and make them better and make their life better uh, and make their career better, I I got a real charge out of that. Um, is it monetary? It should never be monetary. Uh, I mean, if you're out looking for a problem to get rich, good luck. Right. Um, if you're out trying to solve a legitimate problem that that individuals face, that businesses face, that the world faces, and you have a unique solution. And, and you're impassioned about it and you know it can work and it'll help, then the money will follow. It will always follow. Um, I mean, if you just think of Uber, right? right. Two guys standing around trying to get, figure out how to get a taxi somewhere and they thought, wouldn't it be great if somebody could just pick us up and take us? I mean, it was a real world problem. I, I lived in a place in California. It took it half an hour to get a taxi. Here I am trying to be a responsible adult. I'm going to go have a couple of beers. I'm, I mean, it takes half hour, an hour just right. to get a cab to show up at my house to take me to, you know, the bar or the restaurant that was two miles away. It was ridiculous. Um, so if you're really trying to solve a problem, then the money will follow. And for me, 
where's that gap? It, I see the leadership gap it, and it's a debriefing gap. It's a communication. It's a teamwork. It's all those things. And I just want to make people's lives better. And you know what? If I make money off of it, great. Well, it's unique as well, though, because you're, you're taking those from a really like a, a, a unique real world experience. You know, like, hey, when I'm making these people's lives better in the military, I'm really making them safer. You know, and I'm making myself mm -hmm. safer and the people around them safer. Um, and I'm making us better as a whole. You can really see the bottom line effect on, you know, who, who those people are that become your unit. You know, so you're taking that level of importance, you know, you're, you're taking that level of essentialness and kind of transporting that over into your business. So it really does make a lot of sense, you know, taking those skills and waking that up in people. Cause I think entrepreneurship is the same thing. Like we were talking earlier about burn the ship, you know, like you, you burn the ship. You didn't really have anywhere else to go five minutes before COVID. Well, a lot of those, those leadership attributes wake up, you know, mm -hmm. at that point where you've burned your ship, there's no way backwards and you've hit your first real obstacles completely out of your control. You know, so I understand the the correlation there. Talk to us a little bit more about what you what you mean when you say the art of the debrief. Um, that's something that I thought was was really unique. Um, that was a part of your message. Yeah, a lot of organizations, not all, but a lot of organizations, they have a task or a goal. They either hit it or they don't. If they don't, they kind of yell at each other, right? They have a what you, you've probably heard is a post mortem. Okay. Mm -hmm. I don't ever want to be at one. And if I am, I don't want to be alive for it. Um, that was a joke. It was a bad joke, <laughs> but uh, thank you. But it's um, not that bad. Trust me. We, we have had some real winners <laughs> on this podcast. Yeah. Some real winners as far as jokes go on and, this podcast. And the debrief is really the most important part of the mission, the quarter, the sales call, the fit. It really is. And if you ask any fighter pilot, what's the most important part of the mission, they'll tell you the debrief. I mean, yes, get the target, but it's the debrief because that's where you really learn uh, and can make adjustments to your future performance. Uh, I've always said a debrief is a teaching and a learning opportunity. It's nothing more, nothing less. Uh, a lot of times, you know, when the boss says, oh, we need to get together and talk about this. What does everybody do? I mean, just, just the way I delivered it, it sounds bad. Mm -hmm. I mean, I, it sounds like I'm going to the principal's office. Yeah, everybody's in trouble. Everybody's in trouble. And everybody starts hedging their bets and they close off and you know, they, they, they become very guarded. And that's not what a debrief is. A debrief is an, is an honest and open learning environment. Now, it's set by the leader. So this is where that leadership comes back in because you can't have an honest and open debrief if the leader doesn't set the environment. The leader sets the environment by admitting that they're not perfect either. And if you miss the sales goal, there is something that they probably did that assisted in that, contributed to that. Maybe they didn't get the information out. They weren't clear in their guidance. But so the leader sets the environment so that we can have this safe, open, honest debrief where we look for root causes, find best practices, uh, and then implement them as we move forward. But that that's kind of where that that's where that leadership um, principles and concepts come into the process. And it is an art form because you just can't, you know, you're not going to, if you've never debriefed the first time you do it, maybe you're successful, maybe you're not, you know, it's, it's going to take five times till you start getting the rhythm and people start getting used to it. And, and understanding what the purpose and process is. 
Sure. And so why why is it that so many people like are there you can loosen it back here. I was just gonna move it because I keep hitting that cord and I don't wanna You can pull it too if you want. That's, cord can get tight, it doesn't yeah. matter. I talk with my hands a lot and, no, I, all and I keep tapping it and I'm like, is that are they hearing that ding ding ding? <laughs> the answer is absolutely. Yeah, it's so. definitely hearing it, but it's not a big deal. Um why is it that there's such a gap there with people that don't debrief at all? Like do is that something that you see is that they're Something that because it sounds very logical to it's, me. It is very logical. I think it's cultural, um, and it, it, with respect to business sure. culture. Um, who debriefs? I think you do in the medical field. I know they've started implementing briefing on the front half. You know, this is what we're here for. Bailey, you know, this is Bailey. We're going to work on his left knee. There, and and so they, the medical field is now doing that. And, and they have taken on debriefing more. I know pilots do. In the military, the more specialized your job, the more you debrief. Special forces definitely do. Um, does a logistician probably not as much as they probably should. Uh, and then when you get in the business world, it's just not something anybody's ever been introduced to. Um, a salesperson, they don't necessarily have a debrief. Sure. They just sell, right? Sure. That's their job. Go sell. Figure it out. Show sure. more. Um, and no one takes the time to sit there and look at their execution errors and successes. So I just – people don't – and where would you learn it? At at an MBA program? I, I don't think I've ever heard of a debriefing class right. or, or a process. It's just something that's not taught and you're not exposed to. I mean, if you're on a sports team – a lot of athletes don't even realize this. If you if you played collegiate sports, you debriefed. That's mm-hmm. what film study was. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah, you're watching the film. That is a form of debrief. But then we get <clears throat> out of those environments, and all of a sudden we forget about it. Sure. So, but it's something that is just so critical and so important. And what's interesting is not only is it a teaching and learning opportunity for the junior members of the team or the least experienced, it's also a great learning opportunity for those who've been there, because. You know, people have different experiences, different cultural backgrounds uh, throughout life, and they bring in a different lens. And if you're smart enough and wise enough, you'll listen and you may see things different sure. uh, and change the way you've done things, not the way you've always done them. I, I One of my best lessons I've ever learned was from one of my students. And I had over 1,500 hours. I've been flying for, what? I think 13 years at the time, had gone to Top Gun, had all the qualifications, and this poor kid had 50 hours, and he taught me something. So so what are the pillars of a good debrief? Like how can our audience begin to develop that skill or implement something like that within their own organization? Yeah, it's great. If you can spell the word debrief, you actually have the steps. Uh, the first thing, you have to decide to do it. A lot, of, a lot of reasons why debriefs don't happen is people just – it's not in the schedule. It's just not part of their operation cycle, right? Uh, the E is the environment. You have to have a safe, honest, and open environment. And again, as I mentioned before, the leader is the one that sets that. They have to be the one to expose their mistakes first, talk about them, and let everybody else know in the room that we're not here to play whack-a-mole. This isn't Chuck E. Cheese, right? You're not going to get bopped over the head. We want you to speak honest and open because if it can happen to us, if it can happen to our team, it can happen to someone else in our organization. Sure. So let's let's stop it right now. Um, 
The B in, uh, in debrief is you brief the results. And really, most of the time, this should be answered by a yes or no question. If you have set your goals properly, if you set a SMART goal, did we achieve the goal? Yes or no? You know, we wanted 10 million, we got nine. We wanted 10 million, we got 11. It, you ought to be able to just uh, say that. R is root cause. This is where you start peeling back the layers of the onion. Why did that result happen? And you have to ask the question why three to five times. If you don't, you're doing a review. I was working with a, uh, an organization. Uh, they make locks, international, big organization. Uh, sitting with their VP of ops, he said, yeah, we debrief all the time. He pulls out a binder, points at uh, some numbers. I look at it and I go, why did this happen? It was a red number, it was a loss. And he goes, well, he gave me an answer. Marketing didn't coordinate the release. And I go, well, why, did, why did that happen? And he goes, well, they fell behind. And I asked, why did that happen? And he looked at me and he paused and he goes, I don't think we debrief to the level that you're talking about, <laughs> right? Because otherwise it's just a review. <laughs> right. You're just reading the numbers. Anybody can go to Salesforce, run a report. They're your numbers. You can review the numbers. The question is, why did those numbers happen? Why, why? And what you'll find is it's, it's like an organizational process. Um, it's a system. So there's something that we are doing within our SOPs or our standards that caused that result to happen. That's why you do the root cause analysis. Sure. Um, after you uh, do the root cause, I is you identify the best practices. Okay, what are you going to change? Uh, is it just an SOP change? Is it part of the team? Is it across the whole organization? Is you're going to go out and execute on those, execute on those best practices, execute on those lessons learned, and finally F is follow up. Now, from a leadership standpoint, funny leadership's at the beginning and the end of the debrief, right? Mm -hmm. The F is are we following up to make sure those changes have taken place? But more importantly, as the leader, are you following up with the health of the team? Because oftentimes we always focus on the negative, right? You can debrief positives and you should uh, as well and with the same rigor. But, you know, sometimes it's because we failed and we failed miserably. So you have to thank your team. You cannot let them walk out the door bloodied and bruised and feeling dejected and defeated because they'll never want to come back. Even if it was a total train wreck, you know what? We, did, we didn't hit our mark, but we learned a lot of good things in the debrief. So thank you for your time. I appreciate it. You know, you guys are really doing good work. We'll go get them tomorrow and send the team out with their heads up, not down. So if you know, if you can spell debrief, you can start holding sure. debriefs. And how does this skill affect your life other than your business? Well, uh, the one thing I will say, do not debrief your wife on the cooking or how the house looks, okay? Um, that <laughs> Maybe will be just a stick to the review. Yeah, stick to the review. And, and it always looks great. Uh, how does yeah, it affect- Same review every time. Same five life. stars. Yeah, five stars. Ten stars. Copied and pasted. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I, you get 12 out of 10 stars. Yeah. Um, how does it affect your personal life? Yeah. Is that the question? Yeah. It, it's just it, once you develop these skills, you know, think think about it from the the idea of your entrepreneurs. They're listening to this podcast right now, and they're thinking, "Okay, I'm I'm deciding I'm I'm going to begin this process of debriefing within my business." Well, as you develop this skill, and whether you decide to implement it within your personal life, with your family at home first, or within your business at first, where you're developing this skill, what what are some areas where that skill is applicable besides with our team and our business? You know, like what what are some things where you see that hey, this is something you should debrief when your own life. It's good for people. Um, I mean, I've often said you could debrief anything, 
and everything. You could you could theoretically debrief too much, all right? Um, but how does it change? You know, I, I just talked about debriefing with your team. Mm-hmm. What I didn't mention is debriefing with your clients. You know, one of the leadership uh, principles I learned in the Marine Corps was know your Marines and look out for their welfare. It is the number one thing I always hung my hat on, and it made all the difference in the world. Um, well, what if you know your team and look out for their welfare? What if you know your customers and you look out for their welfare? So as an entrepreneur, I would take the time, whether you won or lost, and go, you know, Mr. or Mrs. or whoever it is, can you give me 15 minutes to hold a debrief on what we did? Uh, if you lost the sale, guess what you're going to find out? You're going to find out what you missed, right? You're going to find out what the true pain points are. And maybe it gives you an opportunity to reposition. If not, it'll just set you up better for the next time. Um, if you're successful, any client wants to feel listened to, especially if I'm paying you money, I want you to hear me. And a debrief is a great opportunity uh, to, to learn what your clients really need. Uh, in your personal life, I mean, if, if you're trying to lose weight, trying to get in better shape, I mean, if you really sit down and come up with a plan and then you debrief it after a month or so, you'll see where you're being distracted, where you're cheating on your meals, uh, where that ice cream cake suddenly falls in your mouth. You know, it, <laughs> it, I mean, it, it, you can debrief a whole lot of things uh, and really take the lessons, learn the experience, the knowledge. That's why I say it's a teaching and a learning opportunity. Sure. And, and it can make the difference, sure. especially as an entrepreneur. Because sometimes, I mean, Unless you got a whole lot of money saved away, you got to learn really fast, um, and you got to be very agile. And debriefing gives you that ability to be agile. Sure, sure, that makes a lot of sense. You know that, um, you know, it's like almost creating a feedback loop. But the key there that is so different is that open and honest. Like when you say that, it's like open and honest. We have to really not lie to ourselves when we're talking about, hey, mm-hmm. whoa. You know, we're, we're giving ourselves this health checkup. There's no point in lying to ourselves about, you know, what we're doing well and not, what we're doing not well. Um, I think that that's so unique. You know, I think that that's hard to create within, you know, not hard to create. That, that's the wrong word because it's not something that's difficult to create. It's definitely something that's easy to create when you create it organically. Right. You know, when you have that, um, you know, when you have that air of accountability within your organization, people want that. You know, they, they like I want structure. You know, I want debriefs and I want feedback and I want to understand what I did well and what I did not well. And I think that when you create that desire for feedback and debriefing does that, you know, in itself as, you know, this tool that you're using to get more feedback, it creates that longing for more information of what do we do well, what do we do not well. So I really do think that it's one of those things that it permeates other areas of your life. Mm -hmm. You're creating skills there in the debriefing area that are, are going to absolutely be applicable in almost any way that you communicate with people. Um, so I wanted to ask you this is when you're thinking about debriefing, you know, let's say that you have to hire a CEO or you have to hire, you know, someone to really manage your organization that's going to be, or maybe you hire someone specifically just for the debriefing area of your business. Tell me this, you know, real life movie character, whoever you pick, who is that one person that you want debriefing you for the rest of your of your business ventures? Clint Eastwood. Clint Eastwood? <laughs> That's a pretty good choice. That's the first name that came to mind. That's a pretty good choice. I don't know. I just think of Clint Eastwood and all the characters he played. Clint Eastwood's a good choice. He seems like he would be 
you know, kind of a, I mean, if you think of Pale Horse, he was the, the, the chaplain that came and saved the town because he used to be the old gunfighter. Right. I mean, he just, you know, unforgiven. He was the bad guy that became a good yeah, I think the I, outlaw Josie Wills when he... Uh, outlaw Josie Wales? Yeah, when he's on that ferry and the guy's like, yeah, I'll take you over there. And he's got the guy who's trying to sell him that, like, knockoff cleaning solution or whatever. And he spits his dip right on his white... On his uh, on, on his, his shirt. suit right there. Yeah, yeah. Every time he spit in that movie, he was shooting somebody. Oh but, man, uh, I I don't know. I don't know why Clint Eastwood came to mind. But if I had somebody, I think I would pick Clint Eastwood because I think, I mean, just he he seems like a leader. But in all his movies, no matter if he's the bad, you know, Outlaw Josie, well, there was still that compassion. Side. Oh yeah, you know, it's still about his family, and he's hanging out with a Native American, and he's helping them along, and then he goes to the, uh, he's actually able to see eye to eye and be honest and open right um with the uh i can't remember what indian it was he was talking to the the native american chief but you know they just had that innate ability i think he would be a great leader and i think he'd be somebody that would take debriefing on seriously sure and he's one of those people where the only reason that him shooting people is makes so much sense is because of all the stuff he says yeah you know if he didn't if he didn't speak and have the dialogue that he has in all his movies that the shooting people would be the debriefing yeah you know so that's That's a a, that's a funny question i had never had that question before and for some reason clint eastwood just came into my head so oh that's a good answer it's like it's like taking the test right you just go with the first answer for sure (laughs) that's a good answer though clint eastwood's a good answer i don't know who i would pick you're making me second guess my uh my own guess the rock is a good answer that was one that originally could be good into my mind um greg popovich if you're are you sports fan yeah uh, he's the coach of the Spurs. Yeah, yeah. That I think he's probably solid. Um, you wait, gotta, wait, were these movie people I was supposed to respond? Any, or, or any, anything any, in real life? Oh, it, anybody. Okay, now I uh, wanted to ask you as well as like if you think sports, who does debriefing the best? What sport? Because rugby takes it very serious. Uh I think any professional sport. I, I think, frankly, any sport at the collegiate level or above, and I would even say. I mean, there are some high school programs probably um, that are debriefing, and, and all of them. I mean, if you, you know, just take a hitter in baseball. Sure. You know, you, you go to a baseball academy, they turn the camera on. I mean, they, they call it coaching, but it is a form of debriefing. Sure. Um, your goal is to hit the ball. You didn't hit the ball. Why didn't you hit the ball? Well, because you dropped the bat. Uh, maybe you weren't throwing your hands at the ball. You know, the football definitely debriefs. Are you lined up in the right spot are you stepping with the correct foot are you looking at the right cue basketball soccer i would say every professional sport does film study every collegiate sport uh does and and when you get into high school i mean maybe you get a little bit less but i think you know if if they if you want to be part of a winning organization you're doing it for sure um it's funny is that when you leave you forget about that what do you think about the solo like uh solo sports the golfers, the tennis players, you think, well, think they're de- debriefing with themselves or coach? Um, they're probably doing it with the coach, but yeah. Sure. I, I mean, look, sometimes I speak, for the most part, I speak solo. I will set up a GoPro in the back of the room and let it run. Watch your own film. And then come back and watch my own film. Right. What are my mannerisms? Do I say uh too many times? Right. Am I talking to one side of the audience? Are there any things that I do that would be annoying? Uh one of the things I noticed, and this is, a, I'm glad you asked this question, debriefing wise, is that when they put you up on a, an iMeg, 
mm-hmm. you know, where, where they have the cameras on mm-hmm. you and you're up on the big screen. I've learned that I had to slow. I, I talk with my hands a lot and I move yeah. around a lot. I actually had to slow down mm-hmm. because on the screen, it you can't was, capture the frame rate. It was rate distracting. Mm-hmm. I looked like I was flailing. Right. So if I had never debriefed my own individual performance, I would have never noticed that. And who knows how many audiences I would have made <laughs> sick because I look like a cartoon chicken flapping my arms. Right. right? Um, so yeah, I think all individual sports and and even in 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 business, individual an individual sales call. Like I said, you could debrief everything, right? Right. We could debrief this, and we will. Uh, you could debrief a cold call. You could debrief 100 cold calls in a day. That's probably too much. Sure. You could debrief at the end of the week, what is your message on those calls and what kind of pattern are you following and is that being successful? Oh, by the way, what is someone else doing? Does someone else have a good idea? Right. Um, You know, I wasn't the sharpest tool in the shed when I went to flight school. I didn't have an aeronautical major. Uh, I just learned from everybody else. And I listened to the instruction I was being given in the debriefs and that got me to where I was. So anybody out there in the entrepreneurial world, you can be successful. You just got to be willing to be, I don't want to call it self-critical because that puts a negative tone on it. Self-aware. It's probably a better thing. You need to be self-aware. You need to be willing to ask for advice, accept advice and have someone sit there and go, Hey, you might want to do this a little different. Um, and then you'll be successful. Sure. And that's, I think that's a perfect message for, you know, what I was about to ask with burn the ship is like, as long as you understand that you can create that feedback and get the information that you need and you, you put the time and effort in that you can be successful as an entrepreneur. Mm -hmm. You know, we want to motivate, educate, solve a problem here on this particular podcast. The art of debriefing may be solving a problem, but the nugget a lot of people are going to take away from that is the understanding that, if I continue to do this and I do things the right way and I put these processes in place, then I can be a successful entrepreneur. Um, so that's exciting. You know, that, that truly is exciting. Like one of the things that I, that I really enjoy is watching people build things. Um, I love seeing entrepreneurship within people even before they have those opportunities. So, you know, it's really, really exciting. Tell me, uh, as well as our audience, where do people find you if they want to have a conversation with you? Uh, you can find me on LinkedIn, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Uh, you could find me there. Um, or just go to my website. You could send me a note there. It's a very long name. I apologize for it, but <laughs> strategicleadershipconsulting.com. So three words, strategicleadershipconsulting.com. Our, personally, just put Patrick at, and then send an email, Patrick at strategicleadershipconsulting.com, and I'll get the email. Cool. So. Well, thank you for coming out today, man. I appreciate this. We're going to get this uh, content out to as many people as we can. Yeah, no, thank you. And I appreciate the opportunity and, and everybody stick with it. You can get there. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks, man.